on today's episode, Glenn gets a wish granted, Beta 4 of all the things, the Apple Music debacle, using your data wisely, and a different Chris sits in on the show. It's episode 12 of Magnificent. As always, I'm Ian Fuchs, and I'm joined by the self-proclaimed wizard, J. Glenn Kunzler. And this week we have a special guest with us as well, technology, travel, food, automotive, and events blogger for the Huffington Post, MacTrass.com, TheMacWizard.com, and I'm sure lots of other things on the internet, <laughs> Mr. Chris Roshnot. <laughs> hey guys, Chris, thanks for joining us while uh, Mr. Hauk is away. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Glenn, always a pleasure to see you. Always nice to be on. So, uh, Chris, since since you're new and you do lots of writing for lots of things and you're internet famous a little bit, tell us about yourself, uh, how you got your start in tech and what you do now. Well, my, I guess, start in tech began more than 16 years ago. I started attending CES in Las Vegas. Uh, they only allowed 16-year-olds at that time for one year, and then it became 18-year-olds, so... You know, doing a little this, a little that uh, those couple of years, and I figured, why do I want to travel every year to CES? I could just live in Las Vegas, drive down the street, and then go there. So that's how I got my start in tech. And then I worked with my brother uh, doing a computer business, internet, website building business in 95, and it all took off from there. And I became Apple certified in 2001. Very cool. So you're, you're Apple certified, Glenn's Apple certified. I'm Ian certified, which counts for something. What yes. are you certified in, Chris? Uh, I am just Apple certified. This was way before the stores ever opened. Hmm. So it says uh, cool. Apple certified technician is what it says on the document. Wonderful. Wow, very good. Very cool. And uh, I, I noticed in the show notes that, that Chris actually noticed something about all of us as hosts, and I hadn't ever even thought about it but that we're all of or have names of german origin are you guys german yeah yeah german you know of yes german ish or a, a, a muted down german <laughs> yes german and italian and swiss so it's maybe a swiss awesome. german could be i have no idea similar I, I know that i know that part of my family is german but my ancestry is uh mutt i guess as we all are. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, Indeed. Just uh, an interesting thing to notice. I also noticed um, the first time I've ever seen Glenn, and he's got quite the beard. I have to mention that. That's a fairly it recent is. advent. Yeah. <laughs> um, so real quick, we'll do uh, some follow-up from a discussion before, because I know it's near and dear to Glenn's heart. And I, Chris, I, I ho- hopefully you're kind of following along with with what we've talked about in the past or things that have gone on i know you've you pay attention to what goes on in tech all the time yes i have so you've to. probably seen you've seen some of this um but it, as of ios 9 beta 4 you can no longer leave reviews for apps in the app store and that was something that glenn had asked for and tons of other tech bloggers had asked for and developers had asked for basically saying you know it's ridiculous that you let these people write reviews for apps that break because they're on unreleased software. We should mention and... that it's because it's beta software. Right, right. Well, obviously, uh, just because it's unreleased. And and especially with the public beta, and you have a number of people that maybe shouldn't be on beta software that are doing it because they think they can. 
or some friend of theirs told them it was a good idea. I see a lot of that, that here seems... in Las Vegas. People just jump on stuff and they're like, oh, that looks cool. I'll do that. And then all hell breaks loose. So Exactly. Uh, so I, I know that was something that Glenn had asked for. And so it's Glenn, about time, wish granted. Sure. Thank you, Mr. Granted. Cook. <laughs> so uh, on that note, um, last Tuesday, beta 4 of iOS 9, uh, beta 4 of Watch OS 2, and beta 4 of El Capitan came out. Um, Chris, are you using any of those, all of those, some of those, no. none of those? None of those. No, none of those. You're not a beta software guy. I was initially. I was the jailbreak guy, you know, since that is legal to do. Um, right. But uh, I have production issues with beta software, as I'm sure, sure. most people do. So sure. I don't have time now as I'm writing. I just did four reviews yesterday. I don't have time anymore for beta madness. <laughs> too too many weird quirky things that happen in, mm-hmm. in beta software. Yes. Makes sense. Glenn, did you I know you're uh you're on some of the beta software, Glenn. Did you notice anything notable uh, other than the review the, or lack thereof? The takeaways for me so far have been that the uh the volume button now works as a camera shutter again in iOS 9, which is awesome. That had been uh, definitely driving me nuts because I do that all the time. Um, And performance improvements, um, a lot of performance improvements. I've noticed a significant let-up in how much it drains my battery now that it's entered beta 4. Um, Yes. El Capitan has always seemed smooth, and, and it's just gotten better with beta 4. The only worry I still have with El Capitan, and it's not a worry for the platform so much as that developers hadn't ha- haven't really had a chance to, to deal with issues yet. A few menu bar apps that I use, such as iStat menus, aren't really working smoothly at this point. Mostly yep. very minor gripes, and uh, all of the performance or improvements and changes and new features are well worth it to me. And you're using it on the watch. You're beta 4 on the watch, aren't you? Yeah, I haven't really noticed any significant difference there. The only significant change I've noticed on the watch from 3 to 4 is that Apple Pay works again. Was it broken? Uh, which it Apple I don't know, you must not use Apple Pay much on your watch. In beta th- in beta 3 it broke and then in beta 4 they fixed it. So I I love this cycle of like, oh, these features work perfectly and now we released a software and broke all these things that have worked fu- like things like the shutter for the camera that have worked for years on on various things and now all of a sudden they break the shutter in beta 3 of iOS 9 it's like it really makes you wonder what the process of putting out new builds looks like cuz it, it seems it, strange i'm sure there's good reasons for why things happen that you way know, though it's it's probably something as simple as somebody was making a, a quick change to a line of code in the camera and when they did that they got you know delete happy and or, grabbed an extra or maybe they're trying something new, because uh, if you've noticed the S6 from Samsung, you can double tap on the home button, and it immediately launches into the camera. So maybe they're messing around with the buttons on the phone. Well, that could be. One feature I would like to see borrowed from, from Android that, now that I now I'm saying it, I'm starting to regret even bringing it up, but I really like the way, I think it's LG, where you just tap anywhere on the camera or on the camera viewfinder on the phone, and it takes the picture? And Motorola so like the does entire, that, too. Did it, where the entire screen is the shutter. 
I kind of like that because I do occasionally end up taking a selfie, usually with my wife. And when I do that, I a lot of times can't get to the volume rocker because of how I'm holding it. So I'm like trying to figure out how to get my finger to the shutter button. And, you know, I have just this moral opposition to selfie sticks with their little remote triggers. So um, it would be kind of cool if that was a, a mode you can enable. You know, you're sliding across, you have square and regular and pano and all the other stuff. If you had an option to um, to also do whole screen shutter, that would be kind of cool. Or a voice command like the Motorola does as well. What, you say cheese and then it takes a picture? Yeah, you can say take a selfie and then it turns the selfie camera on, the screen turns on, gives you a three-second countdown. That's ridiculous. That's pretty Although, awesome. I'm also just now remembering there's also a camera shutter on the Apple Watch and that I could just as easily do that. But then I think that requires an extra hand. So something else that broke uh, in iOS 8.4 is home sharing, and I see that it returns finally That's true. in the beta That's 4 true. of iOS 9. So people have been asking me on Twitter about it, and I tell them, you know, just hold on until iOS 9 is coming back. And I'm not sure why they got rid of it, although I did see some stuff they thought maybe uh, Apple Music licensing could have been part of it that people didn't want undue sharing of libraries and, and whatever. I know the the big issue for me, and actually through a coworker, um, they had asked, you know, how do I resolve this? What do I do? Because they were trying to airplay from their phone, but they got a new phone to their Apple TV, but you have to be on the same home sharing. And with the home sharing menu gone, there wasn't a way to set it up. So they were on the same home sharing account. And he was like, how do I fix this? And I was like, well, you're just going to have to wait. Sorry. And people don't want to wait. They want to get the new iOS and just go for it. Well, yeah, and, and I, I was kind of part of the reason he had he had gotten the new phone. As I was really saying, you know, you should you should upgrade the I, iPhone six is fantastic, and you can do all this cool stuff. And he was like, "Oh, okay, I'll get it." And yeah, he wasn't thrilled. <laughs> so he went. He resorted to using his iPad, which was on home sharing, which did work. So um, Ian is a iOS beta. For iOS 9 beta 4, is that a daily driver for you? How about you, Glenn? Yeah, I've been used. <laughs> I've been on beta since beta 1. And I kind of regretted it, mostly because I also baited my watch, and then Apple didn't give you a downgrade path. So it forced me to stay on 9. Um, but now that I'm now that I'm to 4, I'm, I'm more than happy with it. I've the one app that was causing me troubles was Kivo, which I used to unlock my front door. That got an update, and now my front door is openable again. So That's I think handy. everything's pretty well. Everything's pretty well smoothed over. So I'm I'm content with it. And battery life, both on the watch and on phone and iPad, has been terrific on Beta Four. So and what iPad uh, are is. you running? I have the Air Two. Air Two. I've uh, been on the betas since number three um, for iOS. Um, didn't switch to LCAP until actually just about a week ago, at least uh, as my permanent um, permanent driver. But um, I'm I'm very 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 pleased with with how it's rolled out. It's uh, behaving very well with all the things that I really that are really critical for me. So 
I uh I also like you know like you said El Cap has been pretty solid since it came out. The, I I was not afraid to upgrade to El Cap when it came out. Um yeah. I I was a little hesitant on the phone and the watch and the iPad and everything else. But the Mac, I was like, yeah, I'll go for it. Why not? Because it was such a small upgrade from Yosemite. I mean, as far as Apple system upgrades go. So I was much less nervous to make that change. Yeah, Apple's OSX betas always seem to be a lot better, smoother bets than their iOS betas. Well, they've been making computers longer. So, um, anything else about beta software? Shall we press on? I'm just looking forward to the final release. Uh, so I can get uh, it on my absolutely. phone and my iPad and stuff. Absolutely. And I'm I'm wondering if they're going to stick with this two every other week, this two-week beta release schedule, and how many betas they think they're really going to need. Because mm-hmm. there are very few things I feel like left. I mean, there's always things they can probably do to optimize code and improve speed and stuff like that. And I, I have had my watch occasionally has locked up, and I've had to reset it. And... You know, my phone has occasionally gotten stuck on the multitask switcher. But some of those things, like, you can't imagine there's three or four more betas before they release the final version. I would think right. at this so. point the beta software from Apple is pretty solid even at beta 1. I know that there's some quirks, but really they're giving the time to the developers of all the apps for the watch right. and for the different devices that we use. So, you know, anything to give the developers a little bit more time to get their software polished for the new system. Indeed. Yeah. The only thing that's puzzled me, um, and to my knowledge, it's it's kind of, of new um, with the iOS 9 testing period, is there hasn't really been any Apple TV beta software to speak of. Usually there's a beta of the Apple TV software to go with every iOS beta, and so far we've seen zero apple tv that's, betas which is kind that's of that's because there's supposed to be a new apple tv out right now yeah yeah it's fuel all the speculation for sure i mean it's no i uh i do find that a little strange although i feel like so much of the apple tv is stuff that apple can put out there without any user interaction i mean think about it you wake up one morning and turn on your apple tv and oh look the apple events channels added or all of a sudden I have 18 Korean TV channels or whatever they've added for the day. Mm-hmm. And and so, so much of, of the Apple TV now, I feel like, is kind of in this. Apple can just push stuff on it whenever they want. I th- so I don't feel like there's a lot of changes at this point. I think if Apple wants to get rid of their hobby Apple TV system, they should just drop the price of the Mac Mini $200 and call it a day. And then watch the adoption. So you get a set-top yeah. computer, a fully capable of El Capitan. Uh, you get a device that can stream in 802.11ac, which is the newest Wi-Fi standard. And you get something that can run all the apps as well. So you're not limited to Apple TV-specific apps. Not a bad idea. I'd put an Apple TV or a Mac Mini in my basement next to the Apple TV or in place of the Apple TV. Absolutely. Can you can you airplay to it without not, something like not yet um, like air air parrot or air squirrel or whatever that app is called? They'd have to add a layer of, of reflector that type of service to that. 
Yeah. Yeah, but that's so just if, that's just software. I mean, the hardware is. Oh yeah, that'd be that'd be easy. Yeah, that'd it's so really super easy. easy. And then they could bring back Front Row, Glenn's favorite. <laughs> I do enjoy Front Row actually. Um, although I think there are, are are lots of compelling services that do it better, such as Plex. Sure. Uh, I really enjoy Plex. Sure. I actually was digging through uh, some boxes looking for an HDMI cable the other day and, and came across like four of my Apple TV remote or Apple remotes, like the old ones that came with the Macs. And the second I saw it, I just think I thought back to like when I used to sit in class behind somebody with a Mac in college and activate front row just to be a jerk. That's so devious. It was college and I was dumb. That's I guess. Funny. So, so, um, moving along from from beta software, let's talk about another product that maybe should have a beta in the name, and that's Apple Music. And we'll throw iTunes twelve dot two or whatever it is that's in there with it, and and talk about about the uh, the latest with Apple Music. Before we get into that, did either of you fellows try the cloud service that Apple bought before they integrated it into iTunes? Which service was that? Beats. Oh, yes, yes. No, pre-Beats. This was the other one oh. a couple of years ago. I don't know what that one was. It was a cloud service that allowed you to play the song completely once, and it scanned your computer and held all the software on the web and all of your music was matched. Did you ever try that? I, I feel like there was a software that I had used a while back around the time Spotify came to the U.S. Yes, it was about that time. I don't remember what it was called, but I, if, it, if it is that service, then yes, I tried it, I think, approximately one time, and then I was like, well, I can't listen to this song again. <laughs> right. So. But I tried the cloud end of that service along with their interface, and I have to tell you, even that many years ago, still better than the new iTunes. So they have some work to do. Yeah, um, I'm I'm actually surprised, and and we'll get to uh, the the comp- competition and and some of that stuff in a second. But I'm actually really surprised the the app on the iPhone. I think feels pretty good, and yes, I don't I I don't know that you guys. I don't know that anybody can really disagree with that. Like, yeah, there's there's some weird quirks about it, but for the most part, I feel like on the iPhone, it was like, this was really thought through. Here's how this works. Here's how this works. You can do this. This is really obvious. On the iPad, a couple of those features go away. One of the features I really like in on the iPhone is that in the For You section, if there's a playlist you don't like, if you just press and hold on it, which, you know, on the iPhone 6S or whatever will be a force touch, um but we won't go to that. Uh, for now, you press and hold on it, and a little menu comes up, and you can say, I don't like this suggestion. So I have, like, intro to Miley Cyrus and Miley Cyrus deep cuts showing up on my my For You section. I'm sorry. Because, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've gone through, and I've said, hey, I don't like this, and that pretty, what, pretty much solved it. I mean, I, I haven't had weird things like that show up. I did a couple of, of Britney Spears ones that I talked about last week. I said, I don't like this suggestion, and they've disappeared on the Mac and on the iPad that doesn't exist. There's no way to say, I don't like this playlist. So it doesn't sound like they're filtering in your suggestions from your iPhone back into your Mac experience. Well, it's the issue is that all of 
all of my music was a shared library between my wife and me. I, me, whatever. Um, and so somewhere in there, all of her Britney Spears and Rihanna and Miley Cyrus and whatever got mixed up with all of our rock music and all of the country music and all of the classic rock and all of that stuff. And so it, for whatever reason, Apple music was like, Oh, well you must really like this stuff because you never listened to it. So listen to this. Or maybe it's cheaper for them to stream that music to you. (laughs) That very well could be. I I talked to a music executive at mix radio that was on the Nokia and now on Microsoft Lumia phones. And he said it's equivalent cost one download per 300 streams. Hmm. So if they can find, you know, a cheaper song that can be purchased, they'll stream it 300 times for the same price. Makes Hmm. sense. So, so when I look at my library, I should assume that I'm getting the cheapest music, not necessarily the best music. And this perfectly segues into the next topic for Apple and iTunes music. They're being investigated by the DOJ. That's that's true. There, uh, there are some questions about what are, what are they calling it? Uh, price something. I don't remember what the official terminology they're using price is. Price fixing ultimately is what it amounts to. Yeah, but that they're basically because they take a cut of App Store sales and App Store purchases. That competitors who price their service also at ten dollars a month end up only netting about $6 of that or $7 of that, whatever it is. And Apple takes their 30%, which then obviously isn't enough for them to pay their fees. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. So I guess we're just waiting for Taylor Swift to make another comment on iTunes music and we'll find out what happens from there. Oh my gosh. Well, I know like Spotify sent out an email to all their customers who were, not on a what do they call it, credit card billing or whatever direct bill who had purchased their subscription through the app store and basically said hey we're going to bump up your subscription cost to 12 bucks through the app store but you can still get it for 10 or maybe it was a, whatever 13 down to 10 whatever they're like oh you can still get it at the other price you just have to give us your credit card number instead of going through the app store which for some people isn't a big deal and for other people is a huge deal um, I know my brother doesn't have a credit card on his iTunes account, but he puts uh, he puts iTunes credit on there, and that takes care of it. And he doesn't really use a credit card, so he wouldn't go on the Spotify site and have him auto bill. Mm-hmm. So makes sense. Yeah, interesting. Also, I've set my ninety day notice on iTunes Music to not auto renew. I have barely used it in the last month. So if I haven't used it in the past month, I don't see myself using it in the next 60 days. I don't know what, if you've turned that off. What what service do you use right now? Or are you preferring? I, I still or are like, you using? Yeah, I still like Pandora. Pandora's pretty good. So, so that's one of the interesting things is you still like Pandora, which with the free version of Apple Music, the you know, whatever, just using your iPhone the way it was, you know, before June 30th, you still get access to those iTunes radio stations. So you could still get kind of that same feel. Um, For some reason, can... those have disappeared on mine. 
Really? I'm getting these alternate stations that are not the same. Hmm. I guess I uh, we we've talked about this before too. I was not uh, an iTunes radio user at all. I used my music library and I used Spotify and the connection of those two for me was Apple Music when that came out and I was like, "Oh, well, now I get all the same songs that I was listening to and I can I still have my playlists and stuff like that, but now all the playlists and music that I had in Spotify I now have on here. So the only addition for me really was the Beats radio live radio station, which is really good. But again, you also get that without paying the $10 subscription fee. Oh, that's good news. Yeah. So really the only thing you miss out on is the, the for you and the connect, which I'm still not sure the connect thing I've looked at twice and that's, Probably all I'll look at it. I think Connect but. might work for local artists who really aren't signed nationally yet. That could be helpful for them if they connect with a certain audience. But, you know, fans of Taylor Swift are not going to go to Connect to find out what her new song is. They're just going to go and download it right away. So that's, you know. Sure, I, I, think, I think they're trying to do more than just here's a new song. I think really they're trying to take on the youtube and facebook and stuff like that and you know everybody who's tracking you and they're like well come here and and see the unreleased behind the scenes stuff instead of going somewhere where you're going to get served ads i think that's what they've done with vivo and vivo does an amazing job of that for them already so maybe apple can buy them (laughs) there we go apple apple does need a video service for the apple tv there we go would be a good choice so, um, other than that, um, kind of big news within, I guess, within the tech world and the, the Apple blogging world, Jim Dalrymple of the loop basically was like, I'm done with Apple music. This is, this is over. And he was not happy when he wrote his, uh, initial post. And we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Um, but he basically was like, I used Apple Music and then like 4,500 songs disappeared from my library that were songs that I had purchased or ripped from CDs. And he was he was pretty livid. And then another author at The Loop, and I don't have his name in front of me, um, basically came back and said, hey, it's not as you know screwed up as you think it is, but it is kind of screwed up. Probably um, Dave Mark. Is that, is that what, I think that's the right name. That sounds right. Oh, hey, look, it says Dave Mark right in the freaking link. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Mark, that's the one. Um, basically, it was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not thinking it's that bad. It's, it's definitely buggy, but it's not that bad. And then Jim. It's Dalrymple, always an interesting moment when Dalrymple complains about an Apple product. Um, it, it's a very unusual step for him. If anything, he's occasionally accused of being biased in Apple's favor by envious people who don't appreciate the fact that he writes decent reviews. Um, But the fact that he can be critical, the fact that he is pretty down on Apple music to me is, is really all the evidence I need of his objectivity. He says it like he sees it and and nothing else. Right. Well, I've seen the Apple PR machine really work hard on getting this Apple music out there to the people they work with mm -hmm. in, in the blog sphere. I, yes. know, I know a couple of people that work with Apple PR, and you can definitely tell their social media posts are pro-Apple, pro-Beats music. So 
they're pushing that message out there for sure. Yeah. Well, I, all I know is in, in, in Dalrymple's follow-up, he basically was like, I went to Apple and they found my songs. Like that kind of situation. It, like when he speaks, Apple listens, it seems like. so. Well, that's always um, nice. It's Yeah, he's I, very I, influential. All you have to do is, you know, write about Apple for 20 years and become the beard. The beard. Then, as Glenn <laughs> strokes his beard. Clearly, that's Glenn's just like young Jim Dalrymple focusing <laughs> yeah, on yeah, his right. future. I'm, uh, I, I don't drink enough Heineken and I don't have that's those true. white tips yet. It's a very impressive beard, I have to say. Yeah, I hope it, I hope I can keep it going without it driving me nuts. That'll be the test. So, um, like I said, it it just seems strange. I mean, obviously, not only is he complaining about it on on the internet and getting huge um, notice for it, but there's a lot of other people on the internet who have said, you know, Apple Music has screwed up my library. Songs went missing, and he does have a really good post. He kind of breaks down how things disappeared, why things disappeared. Uh, it seems like it's mostly affecting people who are iTunes match subscribers and then switched over to Apple music because they do have some of their music that only lives in the cloud. And that, that music that lived in the cloud kind of is what got jostled around. Not so much the stuff that lived on your computer. If you had music on your computer, it's more or less safe. But if, if you let Apple manage it, there seemed to be some, some weirdness. Well, and I also use Google music to back up my music as well as a secondary backup. And as we all know in the tech industry, you have to have more than one backup for everything. Right. Absolutely. I just put it all in three and a half inch diskettes and it's in a box. Are they the AOL diskettes that you got from a long time ago? I think I might be too young to have gotten AOL diskettes. I got a lot of AOL CDs. Yeah, those that are I microwaved. worthless. <laughs> <laughs> Were the diskettes any less worthless? Uh, no, you, you can. Could, I mean, at least you can wipe them and reuse them, I suppose. <laughs> you had to put a little piece of tape on it on the corner, but then it was usable. So that it, so that it didn't think it had the anti-right thing on it. That's right. Yeah, diskettes were a fantastic technology. So you know, you know what's going on. I I know what diskettes are. I just don't remember getting AOL diskettes. <laughs> so. I used to get my shareware through CDs on the front of magazines. Yes, I loved the MacWorld CDs. I used to get PlayStation demo discs on the front of magazines back on the original PlayStation. I don't, I don't, maybe PlayStation magazine or something. Yeah, I wish they would. I, I to, wish they would have kept with that because that that was a great idea. I miss like those. A, like I remember Oddworld, Abe's Exodus. For whatever reason, I got like a, I think it was like a twenty-minute play, and you, as far as you could make it in twenty minutes, and then it was done. Yeah, perfect demo. That's all you need. And yeah. I was like. And then I, I wanted the game forever and ever and ever, and I never bought it. And then now I wish it was on the iPhone or the iPad. <laughs> well, someone listening to this podcast might actually think about that now. I, you, you can I get it on they, the Mac through uh, I think, GOG.com. I think they actually have, um, or at least at one point we're talking about releasing an odd world for iOS. Ooh, now that I say it, I have to look gander. it up. It wouldn't surprise me if they had. Oddworld, Stranger's Wrath. So there is one. It's three bucks. Link in the show notes. <laughs> there it is. So that one's uh if if you liked Oddworld, uh, I'm assuming it's a good game because it's Oddworld and who doesn't love to be able to walk around as a little alien and fart on people. 
So, um, the uh, Apple Music thing, like I said, it's it is what it is. It may or may not kind of be a beta software. That was where this all started. Well, it's and... certainly not as polished as as most of the things Apple ends up releasing. I think that's that's for sure. However, you feel about it, um, there's there's definitely some some room to improve. Sure. And and on the Mac especially, and we talked about this last week that that iTunes is, for lack of a better way to put it, a cluster. <laughs> but it <laughs> it is terrible. Well, I know people like... that have had a Mac forever, ever since the PowerBook 140. And they will not use iTunes. Um, they get so put off by it. In fact, they don't even use an iPhone. They use an Android device because it's just so bad. So, you know, if Apple wants to redo iTunes completely from scratch, I'm all for it. Yeah. Well, like we talked about uh, last week, you know, separating it out. You you really need to follow. You, they've done a nice job with the iPhone. Breaking out. Here's your iTunes store. Here's your app store. Here's your music library. Here's your video library. Here's your podcast. You don't need to put, try to cram all of those into one app and then all these other things on top of it into one app. Like, we're okay with more apps. You keep sticking them on the iPhone. Nobody uses tips, but it's on there. And so. I find it a little off-putting when I can't find out where the store is. I, I, you know, I launch iTunes, and it brings me to my library. Great. I understand that's where most people want to go, but there's no sidebar where I can just easily click on store. I have to click a down arrow. And, you know, if the Mac is supposed to be easy for people to use, and if someone maybe slightly older that's never used a Mac before doesn't know where to go, they're going to get frustrated with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When they, they just keep packing more and more menus in there, making those menu bars longer, which is not a good experience. And it's almost hidden because you have to click something to see it. Yeah. Anyway. Um iTunes, you need to be fixed. Um, other things from last week, uh, Apple had their second quarter, third quarter, one Probably of their quarters earning call. Quarter. Third, third quarter, quarter it's results. third quarter results. There yes. it is, third quarter earning call. Fiscal and, years uh, are weird, right? Uh, they, uh, as as typical Apple fashion would be, they reported that they have a a very very large mattress full of money and that seems to be how they're they're keeping their 49.6 billion in revenue oh my goodness yeah 10.7 billion in, in net profit um which apparently to investors was not enough and just too funny I don't think it, 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 it pisses me off every time. Yeah. Apple breaks records. They announce all new trends in, in profit, the most money that they've ever made in, in a three month period. And yet they're somehow doomed. Always, always doomed. What is wrong with analysts? Well, it, it's it, there's a, a great article on, on Mac world. It's it's one of the Macalope articles, and he basically says, you know, it's it's not Apple who's doomed. It's investors' guesses at what they think Apple made, and that Apple's doing very very well, and no one can argue that. But 
the uh, the investors seem to think, oh well, you made you know almost eleven billion dollars in in net profits. Well, why wasn't it eleven and a half? And then if they make eleven and a half next quarter, why wasn't it twelve? So it's it's just never enough. There's uh, no winning. As soon as Apple gets more stores open in China, it's just going to be a runaway success for whatever they release. So I'm pretty excited about their their China stores opening, and they're opening some huge ones uh, very very soon. That's very true. Anything in gold? We're we're kind of saturated here in the U.S. for Apple stores. I don't know about your city, but my Las Vegas has three or. Three or four? I think we're four now. I know wow. we're at least four, because we have one downtown. I have one kind of by me, one out a little further west, one a little more north. Oh, my God, there's another one north more. There's five. Chicago's five? just five? That's amazing. I, Chicago, the Chicago area is just littered with them. Wow. It's ridiculous. God. You guys are both in pretty huge metropolitan areas, though. Those are kind of the exception to the rule, because... Yeah. You'll have, you know, two or three stores packed in a relatively small geographic area, but then you've got a sprawl of three, four, or five hours to the next closest grouping of stores. Right. I mean, I- Iowa has one. Yeah. Some states so. still don't have one. Yeah, and you have to go about three hours south, and then you'll hit L.A., and they have Apple stores everywhere. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you're kind of right about that three, four-hour rule. Yeah. But you also crazy. look at look at population density. I mean, it's it's one store per however millions of people in in cities you you can hit that threshold a lot quicker. Well, cool. in Vegas it's one store per giant mall. <laughs> yeah. Which puts two on the strip or one? Uh, there's three on the strip and then one in Summerlin, which is way off strip. Okay. And that one's new as of maybe six months, eight months ago. So it's less than a year old. Sure. So anything else about Apple stores or earnings? Or should we talk about how to save some money? Let's talk about how to save some money. Perfect. So this was this was brought up to me as a topic to discuss by a coworker. And he is recently switched off of an unlimited data plan onto a shared data plan with his wife and his kids. And he was basically saying every month we're at or near our threshold of data usage. And now that we're on this tiered data thing, how can I use less? And I think for him, more importantly, how can I teach my kids to use less? And so first off, what do you guys have for for data plans? Are you I know I'm on a, an old unlimited grandfathered plan. I, I'm on AT&T's um, mobile share plans, which I really enjoy. Do you have like two gigs, four gigs, somewhere in I, there? I use a, a 10 gigs, well, actually a 15 gig stack since I got in under a promo. Okay. Um, it's divided up between four or five people. Okay. So you you are on a shared plan? Yes, definitely. All right. And Chris, are you on a shared or are you on a old unlimited? or? I have this weird deal. Um, it's a family plan. But each person has two and a half gigs, so ten gigs total. But it's actually two and a half per person, right? So like, mom can't borrow out of yours, or however that works, right? And I can't borrow out of hers, unfortunately. I wish I could. <laughs> she barely uses maybe four hundred megs a month. Yeah, 
you so, know, she she hasn't discovered streaming music yet. So we'll <laughs> we'll keep that on the DL for now. Sure. So uh, what are what are some practices for, I guess for you guys? Because I I've never w- gone through this, and this month I'm trying. My bill cycle started over on Friday. So my, my goal is for this month to try to use Wi-Fi whenever possible, which I didn't ever do. I was always just on LTE, and I was like, screw it. I'm paying for unlimited. I'm going to use it all. And I'm, you know, chewing through 16, 17 gig a month, you know, sometimes even more than that. So I, this month I'm trying to use Wi-Fi more. And obviously that's number one is use Wi-Fi when you can. But what are some other good ways to use less data? Uh, there's there's a few ways that, that are pretty key. Um First is watching for available Wi-Fi networks constantly. Um, we, we have people coming in our store all the time that are wanting to know how their data gets used and are wondering why they went over data or, or suddenly um, they're being charged an extra $20, $30, $40 a month, and, and they don't know where that data went. Almost always it ends up being in music streaming apps and video streaming apps that they weren't aware at the time they were connected to Wi-Fi while using it. And those things can really chew up your data pretty quickly. So the biggest thing that that I would recommend is if you're going to use a data-intensive app or service like Netflix or Spotify or any music or video streaming service, check and see if there are available Wi-Fi networks. Make sure your Wi-Fi is turned on. Um, Stay within range of Wi-Fi networks when doing those things if possible. That's going to be a huge save on how much data you use. Very good. Chris, what do you have? So expanding on that, uh, I carry a mobile hotspot. So even though I have four members on my family on that family plan, I also have two hotspots. Uh, Those are only $10 each per month. They're $20, but you get a $10 discount. So I use... I have an extra gig for each hotspot. So now I'm carrying extra devices, but I get two extra gigs from where I am. And then my biggest thing is I use an app on my phone called Anovo. It's a data shaping VPN service. I've used it for years. I wrote about it on MacTrask back in 2013. And I save about 25 to 33% a month on my data usage. Um, and it's free. And they bought it. Uh, Facebook bought the app and service two years ago. And it's still free. Now, how they make their money is they tell app developers in aggregation how many megabytes a month they use or what parts of the app they use. And then they can change the app to use less data overall. Sure. So it's helping everyone globally that uses it. But in turn, they're they're kind of doing the Google thing. You know, just like people who say, well, I don't want Google Fiber because Google knows everything I do. You have an app that is, in theory, tracking everything you do when you're on the web. And while they're not doing anything necessarily malicious with it, they they are providing that data out to third parties. They are. So. Um, they go into extensive detail on how sure. they anonymize this data. So of course. Before using the app, you know, for sure check into that. What I like is... It's a VPN over LTE, so whatever carrier that I happen to be using it on, they're not seeing my data, you know, like everyone else's. So that's helpful, um, and it's being scrubbed through 
Amazon EC2 cloud services, which is basically this giant network computer in the sky that crunches the numbers and spits out data back to me at a faster rate, but smaller amount of data. And then sure. it, it, the app on the phone, you know, puts it back together and I barely ever see a lag. So sure. it's, it's, it's a very similar experience to what BlackBerry did forever with, with BlackBerry devices and through the BlackBerry, um, I don't remember what they called it now, uh, but they used to do with their network system, basically everything you did would go from your phone to their BlackBerry server and then out to the web and then it would grab the data and bring it back and then it would deliver it. And part of it was because the BlackBerry was, at the time, it was the smartphone. You know, this is years ago, obviously. But it was the smartphone and it didn't have LTE. It barely had 3G in a lot of places. So it had to deliver websites at, you know, dial-up type speeds, but the websites weren't built for dial-up. They were built for high-speed broadband and stuff like that, or starting to be. So they used... um, basically a similar feature just you know through blackberry to deliver it to their devices so uh the anavo is an app i've used also uh from time to time oh you have i have i actually i believe after you wrote your post i was like i'm gonna check this out and just see what it's about um because at the time i think it was right when all the carriers were switching to their tiered data and really killing off the unlimited stuff that's right so i was i was really curious as to you know, how much can I really save with this and how does this work? And so I did use it for a while. It's getting better all the time and now it's compatible with Android phones as well. Very nice. And uh, if you switch on Wi-Fi and it connects to a Wi-Fi network, it turns off the VPN software automatically. So there's no having to go into the settings and switch it off every time. Very good. So... Um, and basically, my other tip is have great Wi-Fi in your home. So well, yeah. just be really disciplined in turning on your Wi-Fi every time you get home or to the office, and then you should be good. Or you can even leave it on. I mean, I know there's there's a slight battery impact of leaving Wi-Fi on when you're not using it uh, because it is always searching. But it's I know I know minimal. for a lot of people, yeah, I know for a lot of people, it's just turn Wi-Fi on, and when you walk out of the house. You get too far away, disconnects. When you get to the office, it connects back up. As you walk by Starbucks and stuff like that, you'll pick up Wi-Fi on your way. Or, you know, I, I've noticed Starbucks in particular is actually a place that usually has really, really poor cell phone reception. Mm-hmm. So I always make sure before I go into Starbucks, if I'm going to be there for more than, you know, 30 seconds, just grab a coffee and jump back out. I make sure Wi-Fi is on because inevitably I'll try to load my card to pay it. Uh, at the register or I'll be looking something up or trying to redeem the, the promo code for the song or app or whatever it is that they have there. And it never seems to want to work unless I'm on the Wi-Fi. So in a story I just saw recently airports around the country have the best Wi-Fi signal of anywhere. So if you're at an airport, uh, if you need Wi-Fi and or cellular, that's the place to go. Best Wi-Fi signal at the highest price. <laughs> And some of them are offering tiered networks, like LAX has a free option, and then if you need anything over 5 megabits, then it's you know a certain fee. Sure. Interesting. And then if you have a carrier that allows for Wi-Fi calling, there's two now, and then you always want to use that in places like you mentioned where they have bad cell service. Right. Like, like uh, Starbucks. Or a basement. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
yeah, the, uh, the T-Mobile and Sprint are both on the the Wi-Fi calling thing now. Yes. And I know I know there's a couple of carriers internationally, I believe, that do it now too. Um, Verizon's working on it. They're they're coming soon. Yeah, Verizon was also working on Voice over LTE, and then that never really fully rolled out. Although you can get away with doing it now, you just have to enable an extra setting, and then it kind of works. And I think Sprint has something called HD Voice. Yeah. But you have to have another Sprint phone with that feature in order to hear HD Voice. So. Right, and and there's... iPhone is the same way. That was one of the features of the iPhone six was that it had mm-hmm. the HD calling. But you have to have the network that supports it and the device on the network that supports it. So it was like only iPhone users on Sprint or the select couple of Android device users on Sprint could use it. Um, But it's a feature. This is definitely a topic maybe we should expand on in a future podcast. Yeah. Indeed. Um, Wow. We're already to the bottom of the document. Holy crap. Um. So yeah, uh, I guess on on the data thing, just be aware of what you're using data for and use Wi-Fi when you can. Uh, If you're doing things like listening to lots of music when you're out and about, pull it for offline on your device. If you're a Spotify user, you can do it. If you're an iPhone user on Apple Music, you can do it. Uh, If you're on whatever other service, uh, some of them have the ability to, some of them don't. Um, And things like video are going to chew through your data really fast. So and talking about video, Xfinity has an app for the iPad that some of their movies and shows you can pre-download while you're on yes. a Wi-Fi network, and then it'll store it securely in the app on your iPad, and you can view it while you're flying or on yep. a train or whatever. So you can save gigabytes of data per month with that feature. Yep. Dish Network has Netflix the same. Netflix would do that. I would love that. Yeah. that I, I, I can't believe Netflix hasn't. Like I said, Dish Network has the same feature where you can – if you DVR something, you can save it to your device, or if it's on demand, you can save it to your device and take it with you. Um, but yeah, yeah, Netflix really could use a an offline feature. Um, you know, make a playlist. I want these three TV shows or this movie or whatever it is. And and there's no reason they couldn't encrypt it within the device, just like Xfinity does or Dish does. I mean, you can't take that file and do anything with it, but right, it's it's at least local. So those are our, our tips on using your data smart. And, you know, just watch how much video you're uploading through apps like Instagram and Snapchat and Twitter. Now that Twitter has video, um, yeah. Vine will also eat into it now that it does HD. Periscope. Periscope I don't know if you were a huge. Periscope user. That's Now that that's a big thing, that's a way to just chew through it fast. Meerkat so, is another or an, Or any of those, any of the streaming services. One thing that I like to do um, occasionally is go through my cellular data settings. And if there's a certain app that I just don't see myself using over cellular or an app that I don't want working over cellular like Netflix, you can selectively enable or disable cellular for each specific app on an iOS device. Um, And I would highly encourage people to go through and and review that because that that could add up to a big savings over time as well. Making sure that apps that are hogs aren't able to take advantage of your of your yeah. mobile data. And it also gives you a, a usage count on there, does it not? It Where sure it says does. this app is used this much cellular data. So you can right away look and say, okay, well, I know that somehow I burned through a gig of my two gig plan or two and a half gigs or whatever it is, and I still have 
three weeks left. What did I do to use that data? And you can you can track it down to the source right away and say, okay, this is what I did. This is why. This is how I can I can fix it. Like you said, you can shut it off. Um, some apps even have settings within the app. Uh, I know Overcast has that as an option, and um, like the uh, Apple Music has that as an option where you can say, you know, higher quality over cellular or don't Ooh. download over cellular or things like that. Um, so that there's always check the app, see if it, if, especially if it's an app that's going to use a lot of data. Uh, hopefully, the developer has thought of that. If they haven't, shame on them. Um, well, and I, you can... I have to give Google props for having that option to turn it off. In the Capture app, I do a lot of YouTube video uploads, and they have a feature where you can say only over Wi-Fi or cellular and Wi-Fi. So now I have it just switched to Wi-Fi. Otherwise, it was chewing through gigs per month trying to sure. upload over cellular. So it's a nice, quick, easy option to reduce your data usage. Yeah, because you can for sure go through what 100 meg a minute on on video, especially if it's high quality edited down HD video if not more than that. So, you know, a five-minute video, all of a sudden you've burned half a gig. So, yeah, right. It's really easy to lose track of that, too. Yeah. You know, tw 20 minutes of, of Netflix streaming uh, goes by pretty quick. Yeah. So uh, let's jump into our something of the week. And Chris, as our guest, I'll let you start off because I know you were at a a premiere this week for one of these. Yeah, so disclosure, I'm a Monster fan. And they gave me free tickets to go see Southpaw uh, with Jake Gyllenhaal and Forrest Whitaker. thought it was a very good movie. Uh, I also saw Ant-Man. That was on my own. I purchased tickets to that. I thought Southpaw was a good, inspiring movie. And uh, if you can, go and check that out. Very nice. And that's uh, Monster, the audio company, not Monster, the energy drink. Right. right. They're Monster <laughs> products on Twitter. Okay. Uh Glenn, I see you You uh, sent me a message about this earlier, and you were like, dude, you got to check this out. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic news service. It's called Paribus, um, and what it does is it logs into your email, and it monitors for online purchases from major retailers, such as Amazon.com or Newegg or other large merchants. And anytime a price drops within... 60 or 90 days or whatever that retailer allows, they file a claim on your behalf for a refund. So I've been testing this for about a week and a half. Um, I made a pretty significant purchase for my MacBook. I, I bought a uh, one terabyte internal SSD drive for my Retina. Congratulations. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty sweet having the extra space. Um, but and within just a few days, I received an email notification that the price had dropped by $37. Um, there was already a refund notification from Amazon in my inbox. And Paribus had discreetly billed my credit card for 20% of that fee that they claimed for me, which uh, which is just fine with me because I honestly never would have noticed. And it's like getting free money. So, Did you get um, the refund before they charged you or how does that work? Yeah, you get it right away. So they directly negotiate with Amazon. Amazon credits the difference back to whatever payment method you use. Um, and then Paribas bills after the fact, usually monthly. Do you have to approve each one? Because that could, you know, kind of run away like a train if you're not watching it. Uh, I, I don't think there is a mechanism to approve each, each one, but... Um, 
if, if, if by and large you're getting more, you're going to get more money back than they're taking anyway. So right. it should, should even out. Hopefully. And they send the notifications for each one. Oh, good. If, if it's a $40 refund, they're going to take 10 bucks of it. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, um, I mean, you're, you're always going to get for, per transaction. You're going to get more back. Now where it gets a little hairy is if they do a monthly billing and it's like, well, I got that $30 back, but then I spent it or $40 yeah. back and then I spent it and now they're billing me and now I'm, you know, even further behind and now I'm even more yes. in debt. And it's, right. Um, and it's still a beta service. So there's, there's still definitely some things that they're learning. Definitely some things that are getting polished. Um, their payments don't go through as quickly as I would like. Like I would love to see my card charged for that immediately after they make the claim. Um, but one thing that they do do that I really like is do do. if you can bring five friends into the service, they're going to give you six months with no fee. They basically take 5% off of that for each person that signs up under you. So that's so why you invited me to try it out. Of course. Uh, everything has an ulterior motive, Ian. That makes so much <laughs> more sense now. So it sounds like an affiliate link will be in the show notes. Oh, certainly. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, it'll be mine. Um, anyway, moving on. <laughs> no. No, I, I'll put Glenn's link in the show notes and you guys can help him get uh, six months and then you can tell your family and friends and then you can get six months too. So my something of the week is an app that uh, has been out for a while, but just this week received a pretty significant upgrade, which included an Apple Watch app and it is called To Do Movies uh, and it's version four. Um and basically the idea is that you can search um very similar list of movies like you would on IMDb. Almost every movie that any movie that I could come up with, I searched for on there and was able to find it. And the idea is that you create a to-do list of movies you want to watch. Or um, whether it's you know, movies that aren't out yet, movies that somebody recommends, um movies that you happen to run by on Netflix or see a billboard for as you're driving, whatever it is, you can throw on, you know, I want to grab this or I want to, I want to watch that. And I need to make sure I see this in theaters. And I just saw a promo for this, but I'm not going to remember what it's called in six months when it actually hits theaters. You can add it to do movies and then it basically creates a running to do list, but it doesn't get lost within the shuffle of all your other to do lists and reminder lists and lists of lists of lists that are, that are buried on your phone. So uh, it creates the to-do list, and then as you watch each one, you check them off, and it allows you to share uh, that you just completed watching a movie off your to-do list uh, on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. And um, if you see it in theaters, you can check in and say, I was here. Uh, it also does a really good job of, uh, I added um, pixels to my my watch list, and now I'm... It looks like a good movie. It, I, I thought it did too, but then I, re I watched a review video that was apparently very much not a good movie. So oh, no. I'm, I'm, a little, I'm a little skeptical about it now, but it just came out on Friday. And so Friday morning, I, you know, I was uh, outside mowing the lawn and my wrist buzzed and I looked at it and it said, oh, Pixels is now in theaters. And I, I didn't realize it was out already. I thought it's had a couple of weeks left. So the idea that you can add something to your, your watch list and it'll remind you when it's in theaters in case you didn't know. So hmm. it's a, a very cool app and I want to say it's four bucks, but I could be wrong on that. I am frequently that might, wrong. That might be handy, but I see a lot of movies, so my wrist would constantly be buzzing. Well, 
but but again, you could if the movies are already in theaters, you could start building that list now, and it's only going to notify you when new ones are in theaters. Okay. Okay, that works. And then any other movie, and, and it could be movies that I recommend on DVD. If I'm like, hey, you should definitely watch, you know, Rocky Horror Picture Show, or you should watch this other movie, or whatever, that are movies that have been out forever. You should see The, Magnif- or the Mag- Magnificent Seven. <laughs> the Magnificent Seven, because it's a great movie, and it's a classic. And you're like, oh, you're like, I've never seen that. You could add it to your list, and then sometime when you're sitting at home and you're like, I don't know what to watch. You pull it up and say, oh, there's a movie I could watch, and you could quick look on Netflix and see if it's there. Uh, that is one feature I would like to see added is, you know, whether it's Netflix or Hulu or HBO or whatever, just to tell me where I can find it. But I know some of that is uh, much more in-depth than I think some of those services will allow. Can you share lists to friends? I don't know. I would assume Can you can. export it in an email, maybe? Let's find out what I can do with to-do movies. I just downloaded the app on Thursday, so I haven't had a lot of time to to play with it. Because I'm thinking if I could build a list for a friend that's going on a on a tour or a travel or something, I could say, here's a list of movies or shows that you should check out while you're traveling. It does not look like you can, but you can create multiple lists. Why can't I share a whole list? No, it seems like kind of a flaw on their part. Yeah, because everything's social now. It's kind of Indeed. weird. Indeed. Well, there you go. An idea for the developer. I will let them know. Um, it does. One of the other cool things about it is it does offer the uh, the trailer within the app. So if you were just clicking through trying to find movies and scrolling through, you could at least watch the trailer. That's so, handy. Um, without having to jump out to... Uh, does anybody remember the iTunes trailers app? Is that still a thing? It still exists. Does it? Okay. I don't That's... use it. I used to use their website all the time, but yeah, I used to having use to go into also. an app, I'm always in the Safari browser. Just like Why search am I and go to... click on yeah. it on YouTube, and then it does its thing. Yep. Exactly. So. Well, it's 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 a boredom app, right? It's it, it's what you it do is. when you're sitting there in a chair with your phone, and you think, hmm, I don't want to work. What can I do on and, my phone? And so, to do movies is basically taking that place, and then when you find trailers that are funny or good, you can add them to a list of movies to watch. Think of it that way. I like that. Okay. So, um, it's it's out there in the app store. I never looked at the price. I'll have a link in the show notes of the price. I believe it's four dollars. So wonderful. Any uh, in-app purchases that you may have noticed with that? Um, I saw an upgrade button, but I'm on a preview version of it, so I don't know what the upgrade button does. Hopefully, there's no ads for four dollars. Um. It may actually be a free app with uh, an upgrade option. Gotcha. Let's find out. I don't want to misrepresent this. Well, maybe I do. I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> it is a free app in the App Store with a two ninety nine in app purchase. Nice. So. Very nice. So, what does that two ninety nine get you? It gets you. I just had it up and then I turned away from it. All these questions. Um, it probably removes the ads. You can have unlimited custom lists, so you could make other lists. You know, these are movies in theater. Cool. These are movies uh, on DVD. These are you could if you saw it on Netflix, you could add it on you know on there. If it's independent films, you could have whatever. You can have different lists. You can create an yeah, unlimited number of lists with the upgraded version. Uh, it takes away the ads, and it supports 
Mr. Objective Neo on Twitter. Great. So helps helps buy him lunch or something. That's figure, good. Yeah, always support the developers. You figure for two ninety nine he gets two bucks of that. That's uh I think that's everybody that likes everybody lunch. Can. Everybody likes lunch, that's right. Well you can't even really get lunch for that anymore. Although you can get you can't get lunch at a McDonald's. <laughs> I hear. <laughs> get a so, double so I've come up with, you know, some movies that I liked. Do either of you guys like any TV shows that are on right now? Uh, right yeah, now, I, I feel like we're between seasons on a lot of things, aren't we? Seems that way. There's a couple shows that have started up recently that have some episodes left. Uh, I can't even anything, worth anything seeing? that we really watch. Yeah, Mr. Robot is amazing. I don't know if you've checked that out. Hmm. What's that on? That's on USA Network. Uh, there's also Suits on USA Network, and the show that took the time slot for Mad Men, that one's called, oh, it's these two ladies who run an online service in the 80s, and there's games and there's chat, it's like the precursor to bulletin board services in AOL, hmm. and that's called Halt, Halt and Catch Fire, that's a okay. good show. I, I do think I remember seeing previews for that. Now, like I said, right now I'm I'm totally between seasons on pretty much everything. I always love Grimm on NBC, mm. and I always like watching uh, Silicon Valley. My wife and I have been going through that on HBO. Love Silicon Valley. So, Hilarious. Um, we are, I think, half a season behind. Um, but we're half a season behind on a lot of things. So, How about you, Glenn? What do you like? Um, I like Marvel's uh, television series that they've been starting to do. They had uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. going out and uh, Agent Carter, both of which were excellent. The Daredevil series on Netflix was uh, one of my very favorites. I thoroughly enjoyed that. A very good uh, gritty take on a superhero that doesn't always get a lot of attention. Um, basically, I watch what the internet tells me to. <laughs> so are you excited that Deadpool is coming soon? So excited, and I'm very, very pleased that it's R-rated. That was in this. That that's that's pretty essential for Deadpool to me. I think it looks fantastic. Reminder: um, add that I to can't my wait. to-do list. I saw someone today with a Deadpool shirt, so the buzz is growing. Indeed, he's he's very popular. I'm also kind of looking for a uh, forward to um, Suicide Squad. I really mm. like. Um, Jared Leto as an actor. I think he does a fantastic job. So I think that'll be cool. That was Absolutely. a creepy preview for that. Uh, wow. Yeah. It's it's dark. So That's to say the least, for sure. All right, guys. Anything else important to talk about today? Um, well, I saw that Current C, which is the competitor to Apple Pay, is going to be releasing their beta and their non-beta product within the next couple weeks, maybe mid to late August. So that's coming, and that's going to be supporting large retailers like Walmart. And now we'll finally get to see what what that's all about, because people are pissed It was that Walmart doesn't accept Apple Pay. Yeah, uh, that, to say the least. I was there the other day, actually, and I'm, I'm just in the habit now of I always put my phone up to the little terminal and I'm just like do you take it 
and I was in the self-check, and I'm, I'm so used to now at the grocery store, I self-check and then hold my phone up and pay, and so I did it, and then nothing happened, and I was like, damn it, Walmart got me again. The ultimate discipline. Have you ever tried using your watch to pay? I have. Either of you? Love it. Yeah. And that experience is pretty good? It's been fine. It's pretty solid, yeah. Cool. I did uh, Whole Foods, and I did the Apple Store. Actually, I, b- I bought a new band for my watch with my watch. So hmm. there's something meta about that. It's the future. The future. All right. Well, my thanks once again to Chris and Glenn for joining me today. And for those interested, you can find Chris on Twitter and Instagram at 24K, 24K, and posting stories on the MacWizard.com and occasionally throwing reviews up on MacTrast and all kinds of stuff. He links to all of his stuff on his Twitter. It's probably the easiest way to find all of his things that he writes about and finds interesting. And, he is uh, the spirit of the internet. I try. Kind of is. And uh, Glenn can be found on Twitter at the Glenja, and I'm over on Twitter at Ian Fuchs. And you can always find the podcast as of a week ago on Twitter at Magnificent FM. And uh, thanks to our listener subscribers for joining us on the show. You can find the show notes at magnificentpodcast.com. Tweet us your questions or comments with hashtag AskMagnificent. And we'll try to get to those. And uh, if you're listening to this on the site, make sure you subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher, however you like to listen, because uh, you wouldn't want to miss an episode. And if you enjoyed the show, leave us a rating or review on iTunes, and we'll catch you next week. Music